0: Doing the impossible is not something you make happen. It's something that you allow to happen. After conducting over 10,000 personal and group coaching sessions over the last decade, author and personal coach Jason Dries has unlocked the simple yet effective formula to accept and create success in your life on the most basic, instinctive level. In his latest book, Do the Impossible, Jason gives readers access to the same life-changing principles he provides in his personal coaching sessions. Ready to embrace success as a state of being? In this exclusive listener offer, get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off from the publishers at Bigger Pockets. To get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off any format, go to www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. That's 50% off any format, www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. So I called the secretary back. So with all due respect, I, I, I don't feel comfortable talking to the president. And I've told the attorney general's office, I've told his chief of staff the same, unless I know what it's about. And the next day I was asked to resign. The day after that, I was fired when I refused to resign. And we now know, by the way, I, mean, I, th- I was proud of that, even though I knew it probably led to the end of my job. We now know that's his M.O.,
1: Welcome to On Brand with Donnie Deutsch. I am Donnie Deutsch, and this is the podcast dedicated to a simple premise that everything today is a brand. Every person, uh, every company, every product, every athlete, every celebrity, every political party is a brand. Because what is a brand? A brand is a set of shared values. And so what we like to do here is break down the brands of the week, uh, which brands are up, which brands are down, kind of what's driving the zeitgeist. But the first thing we do on this show always every week is we interview an iconic personal brand about their own brand, and today it is Preet, uh, Preet is Preet uh, was the former uh, U.S. Attorney in the Southern District, uh, the, uh, after the Attorney General, the most important kind of uh, prosecutorial office in the land. Uh, Preet is legendary. Uh, he's also got a uh, major podcast. Um, he is one of the brightest guys around, and we're going to talk to him about... All the teetering things on the law these days with our uh, ex president and January 6th and everything that's going on. And we've got a lot more to talk about. But first, let's get to our brands of the week. First up is uh, Donald Trump Jr., a brand down. Here you go. Here's what you need to know about this guy. Uh, obviously, we all know about the Alec Baldwin tragedy, the, the accident on that movie set. And so, what, what, is, what is this genius Donald Trump Jr. does? He's hawking shirts saying basically that um, guns don't kill, Alec Baldwin does. This This is what this guy does. This is the t-shirts he's selling. This is the former president's son exploiting a tragic act. Yes, Alec Baldwin is liberal, and I guess you want to take your shots at him, but Donald Trump Jr. literally exploits this. And or some of the other Republicans like J.D. Vance uh, have also used the tragedy to taunt Baldwin Bob- and uh, Lauren Bobert, and uh, it's just disgusting. There's no 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 level these people won't stoop to. Okay, Ted Cruz, nice guy. Another brand down for Ted Cruz. He defends parents doing Nazi salutes at school board meetings. You know, um, basically, Cruz along with other Republicans lambasted AG Merrick Garland for directing the Justice Department this month to investigate the rise of violent threats against educators. And you know, in a in a town school board meeting, uh, a bunch of uh, ge- geniuses did the you know the Heil Hitler salute. To demonstrate freedom of speech, and my God, a parent shot. Parent, this is what Cruz said. A parent did a Nazi salute at a school board because they thought the policies were oppressive. Cruz dramatically exclaimed, "General Garland is doing a Nazi salute elect, as an, at an elected official. Is that project, protected by the First Amendment? Yes, it is." Garland calmly, "Like, are you kidding me? Ted Cruz defending the Hitler high Hitler salutes because some angry people at a school board think that they're being oppressed. So that's their solution. There you go." Ted Cruz, uh, an actor you should never watch again, a brand down Jim Cavazell. Um, he was in um, Temptation of the Christ. It was a well-known actor. Um, and he's basically become a QAnon guy. Um, he basically, he at a QAnon convention, he repeated word for the famous battle cry that uh, uh, Mel Gibson did in Braveheart saying, we must fight for the authentic freedom and live, my friends, by God. We must live. And with the Holy Spirit as your shield and Christ as your sword, may you join St. Michael and all the other angels in defending God and sending Lucifer and his henchmen straight back to hell where they belong. He also mentioned the speech referencing child sex trafficking that of course, there's, there's the benchmark of QAnon about the Democrats. Um, he, he said, we are headed into storm of all storms. Yes, the storm is upon us. He said, but it's just, just amazing. This is This is an actor and hopefully he won't work in Hollywood again. Lincoln Project. Big thumbs down for them. And I, I've been a big fan of the Lincoln Project. They've done some wonderful uh, advertising and marketing, going after Trump, really kind of hitting him in the belly. But they did something really stupid. They they basically had five people dressed like white supremacists, uh, you know, like who caused the Unite the Right rights in Charlottesville. And they had them show up at a Glenn Youngkin event town, in, uh, uh, town rally in Friday. Glenn Youngkin is, of course, the Republican running for uh, governor in Virginia. So... They thought that was a stunt to have guys dress up as white supremacists to bring attention to that at a Yunkin rally. No room for that. Bad, bad call. Bad, bad call. Uh, brand down for New York City municipal workers, firefighters, uh, and policemen, uh, Fish uh, particularly, who will not get vaccinated and basically have, uh, have protested and not showing up to work. They were put on medical leave and they're not showing up for work. And look, you are a public servant, okay? You are somebody that wears a badge to protect people or fights fires to protect people, and, and and nobody is more pro-cop than me. My grandfather was a cop, and I have tremendous respect for police officers and firemen. They risk their lives. But guys, I, I, this is your public servant. This is your civil servant. This is what's required on the job, and then you shouldn't be on the job then, and that's the way I feel about it. So brand down for those guys. Um Brand down for, uh, fa- I don't want to say brand down, because it's not a stupid move, but, you know, Facebook obviously taking a lot of crap and they changed their name to Meta and everybody's going, oh, they're going to change their name. Do you think that's going to make their problems go away? No, they changed their names for actually a very strong strategic decision. The same reason, Google, forget the trouble they're in. The same reason Google changed their name to ABC a bunch of years ago as a holding company, that they, they want to signal that they're more than just that social media platform. Of course, that they are, they are, uh, uh, Oculus, they are What's Up, WhatsApp. And they really, the metaverse going into the future is basically where kind of virtual reality meets the internet, meets social media, meets gaming. And that is where they're going. And yes, Facebook, the brand, as a social media platform will be part of it, but it will be bigger. And Facebook will still be Facebook. You're not changing the name of the brand. It's just like Procter and Gamble and Ivory Soap. You know, it's just one is a holding company, one is the brand name. And a lot of companies that you know, some of the other ones that changed their name recently, uh, as I said, Google changed to Alphabet. Weight Watch – These are these were not necessarily brands in trouble, but they want to make a different statement about their brands. Weight Watchers went to WW because they're a lot more than just losing weight. They're wellness. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts went to Dunkin' because they're not just donuts anymore. So this happens a lot. Uh, and Facebook, it's actually the right move. It's not going to solve their problems, but it's the right long-term strategic moves. Brand out for Floyd Mayweather. What a jerk. Um, obviously, Floyd Mayweather, the, the boxing champ. Uh, he basically, after a Clippers game, a teenage fan requested a selfie with him. And he said, I'm not taking a selfie with you. I'm not giving you an um, autograph because your nails are painted. He said, you got painted nails. I don't take pictures with guys with no painted nails. Quote, unquote, Floyd was heard of saying on the video. Uh, Witnesses tell us Floyd was taking pictures of other people after the game, posing and smiling on the court with another fan. There you go, Floyd Weatherman. That's a real tough guy. You show show your manhood right there by not taking pictures with a guy uh, with painted nails. Shame on you. Um, Roger Goodell, brand up. I I mean, got to give it to this guy. He was paid, obviously, the... the, um, Commissioner to the NFL, been a very effective commissioner. The owners love him. He was paid $120 million in the last two years. Wow. That's amazing. A combination of salary, bonus, and other benefits. Um, He basically, uh, his role in ironing out a new labor deal and a massive media rights package, um, announced a new set of national television deals, keeping games on ESPN, Fox, CBS, NBC. Here's my only question sometimes when you you pay uh, these guys money. And Roger Goodell is a very competent executive. Would he not be well-paid making half that, making $32 million a year? You know, I, and this is my issue with a lot of CEO pay. And, and, and yes, he negotiated a deal. I think every good attorney in that job, the NFL is something that every that these media companies need and want. And I just think there's largesse in CEO pay, whereas certain CEOs that are making $80 million, you know, would not a $40 million payday be good enough for them. So we have gotten out of hand here. I like Roger Goodell personally. I think he's a very good commissioner. Um I don't know, seems a little rich. Um, brand up for the late Kobe Bryant. You know, Kobe's basketball legacy will, of course, be basketball, Though one of the greatest, probably one of the five, you could argue three greatest basketball players of all time. But his legacy will also be as a businessman. You know, years ago in 2014, he he invested $6 million in body armor. Body armor just went uh, public uh, at a valuation of $8 billion. And Kobe's take would have been eight hundred million. So his family's take is still that. Uh, his, his wife Vanessa and their kids, eight hundred million on a six million dollar investment. So Kobe Bryant had a lot more going on than basketball talent. You know, got to give it to him on that. Uh, brand down for Madonna. You know, I, Madonna is everything. She only way she gets attention is by doing things to get attention. It's never because of her new album. She 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 created the Marilyn Monroe death scene for the cover of uh, what magazine was it? Hold on one second. Was it V Magazine? Uh, one of the magazines. And basically did a a takeoff. Uh, was true to four of the pose of Marilyn laying lifeless in the bed of her Bel Air home. You know, it was V Magazine. And I, I, I she's always been fascinated by Marilyn Monroe, but you need to recreate her death in a, in a photo uh, series. And th- she's gotten pathetic as far as I'm concerned. Like she's 60 something. And the only way she has any relevancy, and she's completely irrelevant as far as I'm concerned, is by doing something that's shocking. And anybody can shock. Anybody can run down the street naked. Anybody can shock. It's not hard to shock. How about putting out some music that that people care about right now? That would make you relevant, but maybe that's not in the taking. Uh, brand up for Sarah Blakely, founder of Spanx. I talked about her a couple of weeks on the show, about that they they just had a valuation of a billion dollars. But what I love about her is that she gave every one of her employees $10,000 each and a first two cast first plane tickets to anywhere they want in the world. And there you go. That's somebody understanding the employees. Great PR move for her also. She's got a lot of positive press on it, but it, I'm sure it was genuine and she's a delight. And I think that that's wonderful. Good for Sarah Blakely. Um, fat brand up for Taco Bell. I love this. California couple celebrates their wedding at Taco Bell as a fast food wedding trend crows, drows, grows. High school sweethearts and Alicia Garcia and Kyle Howser got married at San Francisco City Hall on Tuesday then hosted their wedding reception at Taco Bell Cantina in Pacifica, California. Uh, it's got brave, breathtaking seaside views. Uh, this There's been 500 couples married at this Las Vegas Cantina. It's Las Vegas, I'm sorry. No, Las Vegas Cantina location, which boasts its own chapel. A $600 wedding package features a half-hour ceremony, efficient custom merchandise and food and drinks. So Taco Bell... Once again, and full disclosure, my former agency, Deutsch, handles Taco Bell out in the West Coast. But they do so many smart promotional things. uh, Gotta, gotta, gotta give it it to them. So Taco Bell, brand up for Taco Bell. And those are our brands of the week. Now let's get to our interview with the brilliant Preet Barrar. Here's Preet. I want to talk to you about WSJ wines from the Wall Street Journal. Want to really impress this holiday season. WSJ's wine is your key to holiday prep dinner party to attend need a hostess gift with WSJ wine. You're never empty handed. This is the, this is really, really a great place to get wine. WSJ wine from the wall street journal is the best way to find your new favorite wines from all over the globe. This is, this is the best place. This, this is a pedigree place. It's got the center of it all. This is your wine destination for the holiday season. The wall street, the WSJ wine discovery club brings award-winning wines right to your doorstep, get direct access to the small batch handcrafted wines you need to try this holiday season. I've used it. I'm not necessarily a a huge wine connoisseur, but I need help, and I love wine, and this has been a great place. Uh, WSJ Wine presents the holiday top 12, the most powerful, the most wonderful wines of the year. Uncork them and save $125. WSJ Wine tastes over 40,000 wines each year and selects less than 1%, many of which are award winners. Each wine includes tasting notes and food, pairing tips, hundred percent satisfaction guarantee if you don't love a wine for any reason you'll receive a refund receive a new dozen from wsj wines most talented winemakers every three months at about one bottle a week you can enjoy at your own pace members save at least 20 percent on every case they choose to take while earning exclusive rewards and vip upgrades okay now try the wsj wine holiday top 12 plus enjoy two bonus bottles and two wine glasses for $69.99 plus tax and shipping, just text BRAND to 64000. That's right, 64000. To get this special offer, text BRAND to 64000. That's BRAND to 64000. Terms apply. Available at www.wsjwine.com slash
2: Power blackouts. They happen every year. But guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half-day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more.
1: I am thrilled that today's guest. Uh, it's a real privilege and honor to have him here. Preet Bharara is uh former U.S. attorney, Southern District of New York, arguably the most important, other than uh, the attorney general, the most important legal guy, justice guy in the country. He is, of course, uh, his podcast is wildly successful. Stay tuned with Preet. His book, which came out in 2019, Doing Justice A Prosecutor's Thoughts on Crime, Punishment, and the Rule of Law, bestseller, Ray Reviews. Welcome, sir.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: I appreciate it. Good to be here. So, Preet, first thing I'm going to do is uh, what I do with everybody on the show is ask you what's what's the Preet brand because your brand is really uh, has evolved and is evolving, but I'm curious to hear
0: from you. So, so if I can preface my answer by saying that for most of my life and still at this moment, I, I, I hate that term. I hate the idea, you know when when you're the U.S. attorney for a district or a line prosecutor for that matter. The idea that you have a brand that a person has a brand as opposed to a car, uh, or a cereal or something else, is is a little weird, right? The idea that you know you're you're just you're killing about-
1: all, you're killing the whole premise of this podcast, basically. <laughs> you just shit all over it in one. No, one. I'm
0: not. I'm not. I'm, I'm actually not. I'm actually not. I'm bringing a different perspective to it because I, I bet uh, no other guest has has responded that way. But you, it, it's just, I don't know what the word is, but obviously. You know, I'm in, in the media business now. I started a media company, sold it to Vox Media sure. as opposed to going back to the practice of law. So obviously I'm familiar with and understand and appreciate the concept, whether you call it brand or something else. But but I do think that, that individuals, um, you know, to to accept the premise, do have brands. Sure. Um, I, I've not liked that phrase as it was applied to me when I was a public official in the Justice Department. It, it sounds a little self-aggrandizing. Well, let me it define little, what I
1: say. A brand, brand is a set of values. Yeah. What's, your, what's your kind of yeah. your value system? Yeah. I mean, so, you know,
0: so, so, so I like that much better. And I think, uh, I think the brand, the set of values is truth, uh, reasonableness, open mindedness, um, act in good faith. I mean, the, I think the people who listen to the podcast and, and appreciate my commentary on, on CNN and, and other places, but like the fact that I don't scream my head off, mm-hmm. um, that I'm not outrageous Uh, you know i will agree with my opponent sometimes i will concede things and and i think that's the best way to sort of approach stuff you know a a lot of people have said interestingly even though uh, you know i have sounded the alarm bell with respect to the former president and perhaps the future president that that it's done in a calm way so some combination of calm reasonable rational um you know explanatory uh, reassuring, like, you know, I think those are the things that I think about. You know, I spent a lot of time, you know, trying to think of ways you persuade people and what is, uh, an effective way of persuasion that persuasion is supposed to hollering at folks Mm -hmm. and calling them names and making fun of their weight, um, or their hair or or things like that. I try to stay away from all of that stuff and just deal with this up. So I think substance, like, I like substance to be part of my brand. Can I, can I put that in there? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I hear you. you. You and it's interesting because the the adjectives you use, the descriptives describe you as a prosecutor and also as a media figure now and an author. It's just it's the, those have been constant. So you are very yeah, in I touch with your brand. I
0: think credibility. You know, so in any given moment, I don't think I'm as sensational uh, about something as as the next guy, but I think over the long term, that's that's how you have overall credibility. I think over time, and and also, you know, because there's a lot of people who who do punditry, if you, if you want to call yes, it that. Yes, yes, there's a lot of us. And, and if you're always saying that the sky is falling, and some people do that, yeah. that's not great. And if you, you think that the sky is never falling, I mean, you know, the, the, people love to show on social media, Twitter in particular, bad takes of folks from before who made predictions about what Trump would do with respect to the 2020 election, what he would do with the Justice Department, everything else. You can't be either too sanguine and you can't be, you know, too alarmist all the time. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, there's a reason and maybe we'll get to it to be somewhat alarmist about the future. Um, but, but I think you have to pick your spots. You have to pick your criticisms, You have to pick your debates. And I try to do that.
1: Let's, let's go into the alarmist game right now because, um, (laughs) because there is tremendous reason if you're, if you're somebody that has been a student and a follower and a supporter of our democracy, it's not, it's not shrill, and it's not an overreaction, and it's not sensational to say we are we're on the brink. Basically, we saw we all know well too well what what happened last time in January sixth, and we all know that. Yeah. Save for two or three honest, decent um, assistant attorney generals in states, um, whereas now Trump and the, the Republicans have figured out. Oh, wait a, wait a second, we need the right people in those places, and this game yeah. can be rigged. We can't, we see 16 laws changing in states about taking the power away from certain individuals and putting it in in, in legislature or boards. Um, so how, as a prosecutor, as a a, a pundit now, as somebody who, is, who has been on the right side of law all this time, and law is the bench pin of democracy, how how alarmed are we?
0: I think we should be very, very, very alarmed. I think there's been a period of time if you believe in democracy and the rule of law, that the the victory of Joe Biden and his installation, uh, you know, even though people were had some trepidation about it, would, would the former guy ever leave? And his installation, and I think some progress against COVID calmed people down. And, and I don't know if this is a fair statement to make, but maybe let their guard down too much because it's not over, right? Um, you know, people have been throwing around uh, this monologue that Bill Maher did last week, I was asked about it on CNN this week. I talked about it on the podcast this week. And it shouldn't come as a revelation, but you know, he has a certain kind of audience and people listen to him. And he said, look, I'll make the three easiest predictions you can make. Trump is going to run again in 2024. Correct. Uh, he's going to be the nominee if he runs. Correct. And no matter what happens in the election 2024, he's going to say that he won.
1: Correct. Th- and we know. What dictators yeah. do is we see them coming. They tell us what they're going to do. There's no surprises there. So yeah. we didn't need Bill and Maher to no- tell us that,
0: right? I find it crazy. Look, I guess there's some possibility he doesn't run, but in the immediate aftermath of 2020, lots of smart people said, "No way, he doesn't like. He doesn't want to do it." I, I just I, what I can't pinpoint is the moment at which Donald Trump is going to announce his own irrelevancy, and the moment he says he's not running. Yeah, he'll still have some influence, but he won't be back on social media.
1: It's his heroin. People, how how can they think? He, what else is there for him? Yeah. This is his, this is oxygen. This is heroin. Is attention oh, and relevance? Like, that's his thing. currency.
0: His currency—I don't know if you agree with me, Donny—is not power; it's attention. Mm-hmm. And power is is a is a path to attention. Can be, you know, mm-hmm. we have a, we've had presidents who are not invading our daily conscience every day. Some people ran on the premise that they were going to be a little bit more boring. Uh, Biden probably is a, a bit more boring than Donald Trump. I think, in a good way. I just don't see how he's going to wake up one day and say, "Yeah, you know what? I don't want to be back in the limelight again." Uh, why don't you guys elect Josh Hawley? Yeah. <laughs> he's going to see, no offense to Josh Hawley. Or any of Nikki Haley, fill in the blank, whatever, right? Or whoever, I just, I don't see it. And and the reason we should be alarmed is, as you, you pointed out, and I, by the way, I, I really appreciate your voice on all this stuff I've been seeing on television for a long time Thank now, you. and particularly in the last number of days. He has figured out how to mobilize uh, individuals in various states to swing the election to him even if he doesn't win fair and square, changing the law so that state legislatures can uh, can turn the switch the other way. And if and when he does get back in power. And by the way, it's crazy for people not to think that there is a reasonable likelihood, reasonable likelihood, I'm not going to say if it's 70% or 30%, but, it, but, it, but a real likelihood that Donald Trump somehow becomes the president again. Correct. In January, 2025. And I don't get the feeling that a lot of folks who would be horrified by that are understanding and appreciating that as a real possibility. I think there's a lot of folks that have their head in the sand about that. And if you just do the the math, there's an incredible possibility of that. By the way, we, there's else. a
1: possibility he can win legitimately. Forget about what we're talking about as far as on the dark side and, and cheating his way in. He won by 60, 60, 70,000 votes. Um, Donald yeah. Trump and that, that we're going to talk about the the psyche of this country that can, that can even be fathomable. Yeah. But, and you, what people don't understand, if he gets back in, he's never leaving. I mean, that's it. That's it. It's over.
0: Uh, it, it's you know, we, we've had our little bit of sort of relaxation, a few months of of Joe Biden, but it begins in 2022. And I've thrown another possibility that seems outlandish, it seems far fetched, but nothing legally or constitutionally prevents it. And that is if the Republicans take back the House. And by the way, there's a very substantial likelihood they take back the Correct. House. Correct, absolutely. Have do, I think five seats. Uh, right. They would have to. Def- that, they would right?
1: have to defy logic to not do. I mean, it's basically his history will tell us that that's going to happen. Y-
0: the party in power in the presidency loses, you know, dozens of seats, typically in the midterms. Every they time. only have to lose five, the Democrats. Right. They can vote for Donald Trump to be their speaker. I don't know if people appreciate that. And people say, you know, it's interesting to me how many I didn't. Folks, I
1: didn't know that. Jesus Christ, I'm in this business. Yeah. So I did not know that.
0: How, how many folks think that something outlandish can happen when the most outlandish thing, perhaps in the political history of the country, has already happened? Yeah. The election of a reality TV star, yes, you know, and, and fake billionaire, some say, elected to the presidency. Once that has happened, I don't know why I Maybe mean, so, you know, there's this old Stephen Wright joke. the um, great great comedian. For the best. You see, you know, I heard that the odds, something like I heard that the odds of there being a bomb on an airplane are like one in a billion, but the odds of there being two bombs on an airplane are like one in a trillion. <laughs> so I always take a bomb on the airplane, right? <laughs> <laughs> And a little bit of that logic. I think some people, and, and the, the analogy is the bomb on the airplane is Donald Trump getting elected in 2016. And people think, well, that, that, you can have two crazy things happen in succession. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. Yes, you can.
1: I want to talk to you about Alto IRA. Um, do you have an account with Coinbase? Are you thinking of opening one? Do you own Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, or any other cryptocurrency? Cryptocurrency may represent the future money. It's one of the most exciting investment opportunities to come out for some time. But what about Taxes. When you do anything in life, there's one way to do it, and then maybe there's a smarter way. You might already be investing in crypto, but you know you can trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, and over 80 other cryptocurrencies in a tax advantage IRA. With an alto crypto IRA, you can trade crypto like Bitcoin and avoid or defer taxes. So here's the deal. If if you're trading Bitcoin or or any of these cryptos, you want to defer taxes, avoid taxes, you want an alto IRA. Okay, getting to invest in crypto and doing a tax advantage retirement account Trade all you want without tax headache, invest with as little as $10, no setup charges, secure trading 24-7 through Altos integration with Coinbase, 80-plus coins available, industry-leading security, multiple ways to fund your account, make a cash contribution, Trash, transfer cash from an existing IRA, or we'll roll over an old 401k, diversify like the pros and trade without tax headaches, open an Alto crypto IRA with as little as 10 bucks. Go to Alto. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A dot com slash brand. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A dot com slash brand. Start investing in cryptocurrency today. Go to IRA dot com slash brand.
2: Virtual Health is here. Here for you in all the moments that matter. Because they all
0: matter. Here to be your trusted healthcare partner. From the simple
2: to the serious. We ensure you can feel your best and live your life to the fullest. Find a Virtua physician at Virtua.org. Virtua Health, here for good.
1: Now, I, I want to, because you said something to me that just kind of blew my brain open as far as that the, the, with the house, they can bring him on as speaker. All right, pick it up from yeah. there. Pick it up from there.
0: <clears throat> so, as I understand it, and I've looked at it, nothing in the Constitution bars it. it the Constitution just says the House of Representatives shall, shall choose their speaker. And, and it does not have to be, it
1: doesn't have to come from the representatives. Have,
0: it it, it is always come from sure, the representatives. So when people make the argument, that's crazy, pre- what are you talking about? They say, well, that's never happened before. And the idea that you're saying that a lack of precedent means that this new thing can't happen doesn't make logical, legal, or constitutional sense. I'm not saying he would want to do it. Mm-hmm. But let's say he does want to do it. And he thinks that's a great perch from which to run for president 2024. That's a great perch from which to get attention, which is the thing that is his lifeblood that he craves. And it's a position in which he can preside in some ways over the impeachment on you know terrible or shoddy grounds of Joe Biden. You know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. What comes around, goes around, sure. goes around, comes around. If he, cho- if he says, I would like to be the speaker, how many no votes is he going to get? you know, all the Democrats will vote against, depending on how many seats the, the Republicans have won. I mean, how many folks voted for impeachment? How many folks are going to defy Trump? They're not. I, I don't think it's crazy that he gets elected by a, majority of Repub- by a majority of the House, meaning most Republicans in the House, if he wants it. And then the question is, you know, why would he want it? And I've heard people argue, well, it's like a real job, it's real work, he's not really experiencing it. So was the president. So <laughs> yeah, he, was the he made it the job.
1: He made, what people don't understand is that when you found, when you learned about his day, his there was no day there. There was, there was there, no day. There was no day. It was
0: him he just- He watched, watched you on the television. That's it, that's it. it was, you, he he, I, you. I,
1: I was a proud recipient of a few tweets over and, the last and few and years. And if I'm so, Steve
0: yeah. Bannon advising him or somebody, I'm not saying, again, this, this carries the day. And I'm not saying it's, you know, but it's it's substantially above 0%. And we in this country have to start thinking about things that are above 0% possibilities. And you could make the argument to Donald Trump, how much fun would it be to be that thorn in Biden's side, to be in front of television cameras? He would have to be covered every day. Mm -hmm. He'd be the Speaker of the damn House. I don't know. Um, There's an argument to be made to Donald Trump. That's a great place to be. And he doesn't have to run for it, really. Uh, They can whip the vote. You think Kevin McCarthy is going to step aside? I think he's got a decent chance of doing that if he wants it. And that's not a bad perch to run for the presidency again.
1: Can we can we also just handicap one more time? Because I I, I, I don't think we can be dire enough. The yeah. probability of the scenario that we laid out, because to me, it's becoming not a, a possibility, but a probability that he, as you said in the step that he gets the nomination, that he runs that even if he loses, the system is set up now to turn it over. It's happening. It's like, it's just literally happening before our eyes.
0: Yeah, look, I, I I don't want to put a number on it. And I think there is time if we sound the alarm bell loud enough and people listen. I think, you know, figuring out what to do with the filibuster in the Senate uh, and passing voting rights legislation that can undo some of these things that are, that are happening in individual states has to play a part. But what you described it is, in fact, a real possibility, and not an insubstantial possibility. You know, among the ways in which it can be averted is whoever the nominee on the Democratic side is in twenty twenty four will wins overwhelmingly. Um, it's it's hard for me to understand how it is, and I got this a little bit wrong. Donald Trump has not faded in influence. No, right. No. He's off social media. He's no longer the president. He doesn't get covered so much, but. Folks believe what he says. More people are forgiving, not only forgiving, but proud of the insurrectionists from January 6th than they were on January 7th. You've got some huge percentage of Republican voters, Trump supporters, who say Trump won the election. And you still don't have anybody other than, you know, a few brave souls, and I will call them brave, like Adam Kinzinger in the House and Liz Cheney in the House
2: Mm.
0: and Mitt Romney to a lesser extent in the Senate. They're still terrified of him. I mean, look, look, look look at these smart people like this guy the author JD Vance who uh, went to Yale law yeah. th- they're all stepping over themselves to try to be clones of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump's power at the moment comes from you know having invaded the brains of so many people that, that they don't they can't jettison him even though you and I both know that almost no republican in the senate Wants Trump to run again? Of course not. I right? mean, the, the, um, the, you know, half of them want to be yeah. president themselves. They they're, they're prisoners.
1: I've often tried to kind of, in the most simplistic term, analyze. Okay, w- w- Trump. What is it that Trump does? Says is, and I've always come back to it's the simple thing that he has owned the creation of the other. That that is that, that you he plugs into this, and this yeah. is the type of every, every dictator is that there are enough unhappy people in their own lives that. If you tap into something that says, it's not your fault, it's the brown person's fault, it's, it's the media's fault, it's the, this one's fault, that that supersedes every other emotion because it, val- yeah. it gives people self-validation. And he has cornered the market on that, and he does it with such bombast and, and such vulgar charisma. I'm going to use that word. It's a, I, I hate assigning it, but you have to give him that. That, yeah. that is unassailable. It, there, there, it's very there, there's no room in the brain to get in anything. There's no left. There's no left brain issue to go against that. There's no. It's it. It is. Yeah. And to a 45% in this country, whatever the number is, that is just something that is it. Period. And I and it. I I think so much of it comes back to that. In about 15 years from now, we are going to be a minority. White will be the minority in this country, and people are terrified. And uh, I don't think it's any more complicated than that.
0: I'll give you another. Anecdote, and it's you know we've been talking about what the the pull of Trump is for a number of years now, and I never quite heard it put this way. So, we, my son, who's a freshman in college, I won't say the college, but it's you know like a lot of colleges known to be a liberal university, mm-hmm. and he he gets a cab from the airport to go back to his dorm, and for reasons that are mm-hmm. not clear to me, the cab driver decides to get into conversation about politics with my eighteen-year-old uh, son, and he starts to talk about how he's a big fan of Donald Trump. And my son is texting me this, like, don't get into an argument with the guy, you know, you, know, right. you know, just listen to what he has to say. And you know what? And this, the cab driver says to my son, you know how I know that Donald Trump is great and why he's the one guy in politics who's trying to do the right thing? Everyone hates him. Everyone hates him. They all hate him. All the establishment guys hate him. Sure. All the Democrats hate him. The Republicans in their hearts who are in Congress, and they hate him. And that to me is a sign of purity. And that's why I love that guy, and that's why I support that guy. What do you make of that?
1: I make of that that it's the same logic that because he curses or talks like us or, or demeans women or that, like, there must be truth to what he's saying, because he's so politically, it's this inverted logic
0: of that um, There's some like heroism in it. yeah. Um, so, sometimes sometimes in politics and in other circumstances, if it, you know someone has the right enemy. They can be a hero to many, right? And Donald Trump, for a lot of people, has the right enemy: mm-hmm. the elitists, the liberals, the "quote-unquote" woke folks, mm-hmm. establishment politicians, even people in their own party, right? The Bushes, um, who a lot of people on the right have never been satisfied with. He's 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 anti-the establishment, even though in some ways he's been fighting to be in the establishment his whole life. That's right? the you part. And I know. That's the part. As he, New Yorker. He, this is what right? I
1: never understood. You know, the day he got elected. I remember, I actually went on Morning on the next morning. And I said, okay, everybody, calm down. Because here's, and I was completely wrong. Here's what's going to happen. This is, I think, yeah. what he did. He did what he had to do to get elected. He wants to be loved by all, and he wants to be loved by celebrities and the, you know, the, the elites, the very least he ran against. He's already got the crazies on the right, and he's going to now kind of bring everybody under the fold. And I couldn't understand, because if you go on the premises, his complete raison d'etre is to be loved and to be worshipped. He had those people. They weren't going anywhere. Yeah. It, I don't understand why he didn't, unless it's just because he just has to be contrarian because the very thing that he wants, the club he wants to be a part of, he's thrown out of now. And it, it, I couldn't, I never got that. It, that. That never resonated in any way, sense or form for me.
0: It's very, it's very weird to me, right? Because he has a sense of grievance. Look, I mean, part of the reason he's attracted to, to other folks are attracted to him is that even though he, you know, purports to be a billionaire and has a, you know, a charmed life, um, his grievance is real. It's not manufactured, mm-hmm. I don't think. And people identify with him, right? So when people see, it's, he sort of stands. It's so odd as a guy with his means and his privilege and his luxur- luxurious life. Some of his supporters see themselves in him. Oh, that's he's just like me. Th- just like me. Yeah, it's like just like me. You know, um, and and some people have you know almost a, a religious a, a religious attachment to Donald Trump, in part because they've never heard someone talk about them in that way before. He doesn't do anything for them.
1: No, you know, it's we can the debate opposite. the policies, yeah. right?
0: He doesn't do a damn thing for for a lot of these folks who are attached to him. But boy, he talks the talk, and he he makes the liberals so mad, right? He makes the liberals' heads explode, and whenever he does that. There's, there's joy in, in the base. There's joy in the base.
1: I want to, We're, we're going to, I want to get a lot into this, but one simple question. I don't, I should know the answers, I don't. If he is indicted, can he run for president?
0: Yeah, I, my understanding is if he's not convicted of anything.
1: So he could be under ongoing. current
0: indictment and it's ongoing and he can certainly still run for president. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, I'm not aware of anything to the, I mean, Bob Menendez was sitting senator, was indicted, remained in the Senate. Right. Uh, the case didn't go well for the government and he remains in the Senate. Um, better question that I should know the answer to is if he gets convicted of a crime, uh, can he run? I need to get back to you on that. I, I think, I think, I think, I don't know, actually, I should know the answer to that. I, 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 I don't, don't think, think
1: a president can be a convicted felon. I I, I don't know why I, that sticks in my head. So you're, you're the guy to handicap. You're obviously we're all watching and we see what's going on in the, in the attorney general's office and the district and side office and yeah. what, as a guy who would know better than anybody, as you're seeing the tea leaves, you've talked about how they brought Pomerantz on and how that was kind of a real tell if yeah. it wasn't. Best you can, what, what do you think is going on right now?
0: So, I'm um, going uh, by saying, I don't know. The best people are the folks who are still in office and I'm out of office. Right. Um, and I I have thought different, I think the most jeopardy comes from Cy Vance's office, but I'm, I'm not so clear that there will be an indictment of the president. And I'll say that is because there had been all this expectation raising, not necessarily intentionally by Cy Vance's office, but you know, they hired an outside accounting firm. They brought on, uh, as you mentioned, um, Mark Pomerantz, a very distinguished lawyer, former prosecutor and, and law firm partner to sort of aid their own internal folks in the office with the investigation of Trump organization and Trump. And it just, it it just looked like and, you know, the, the pitched battles in the Supreme Court for the documents and everything else, that, that you don't raise so much expectation, even incidentally, unless you think there's a good likelihood you have the goods and you're going to charge the president, former president himself. Then mm-hmm. they brought a case against um, Ellen Weisselberg, uh, the CFO sure. of the Trump Organization, and a couple of the companies. And look, I could be wrong. I mean, I've been wrong. I, I like to see that you admit when you're wrong, I do the same thing. And when they brought that case, I thought, I don't know why you're indicting companies at the beginning of an indictment spree if there's going to be such a spree. I never did. I checked with colleagues of mine. And look, the Southern District of New York is different. Everyone, and this is a unique kind of case. But generally speaking, I charged organizations at the end. Mm-hmm. It was the final act. You charge individuals along the way, and then you charge maybe the, the top guy and the organization at the end. And then the fact that they they charged Weisselberg with this basically this, this you know tax scheme to avoid payment of of owed taxes on fringe benefits, there's nothing in the facts of that indictment that talk about any of the other things you would think that both Trump and Weiselberg would be implicated in together. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no hint of the kind of activity that was bad that both of them conspired to do together. And then finally, the fact that they had to charge Weiselberg and they couldn't get him to flip in advance of the charge to me is another sign that they don't have the likelihood of getting him as a witness In the absence of him as a witness, just from the outside and just knowing how the odds play out generally, it's more difficult to charge Trump mm-hmm. because you probably don't have given the way Trump operates it's in the same way, a lot of heads of organizations, including for the record organized crime families. I'm not saying it's an organized crime family, but you don't, you're, you're not going to have emails from Donald Trump and documents saying, no. do these following five illegal things. What you normally need to prove that is someone who flips from the inside circle and says, you know, here's an email um, and accompanying the email or accompanying this check that Donald Trump signed, I advised him that it was for this or that nefarious purpose. When we made misrepresentations to the bank about how much the assets were worth uh, or when we appraised the value of things for purposes of taxes, I'm going to tell you jurors, I had conversations with Donald Trump about those things. Here was, here was the circumstance. Here's what I can remember what he said. Oh, one time I took a note. Here's my notebook that shows that I took a note of this to corroborate the testimony. That's how you prove intent of criminality on the part of a leader of an organization. And I don't see that they have that here. It doesn't, doesn't mean that that it, I'm correct. Maybe there's something coming. I also have, have always thought, you know, given what I know about Cy Vance, I don't know anything inside about the case that he's the kind of person who if he's undertaken a very substantial investigation he kind of want to make kind of would want to make the decision given how much time he's invested in it before he leaves office he leaves office at the end of the year mm-hmm. you know the general election is in november he's not running again alvin bragg is the likely district attorney because he's the democratic sure. nominee and here we are middle of october and i don't see an indictment for donald trump so for those who want to see that i don't mean to disappoint them overly but, but I don't necessarily see it anymore.
1: Wow. That's sobering. It's interesting. Michael Cohen, who I know very, very well and, and spend a lot of time with, you know, he has said you to do. Me, So
0: he, he thinks something's coming, right?
1: He seems to think well, he's look, he's spent, he's told me, you know, dozens of hours okay, and yeah. he gets the sense that there's something imminent. Now I'm not saying Michael has a, maybe, a you look, know, maybe uh, he doesn't know. Um, but that, you know, he's just, you know, he's, what he's being told is, you know, it's, kind of like, you know, it's not, nobody's saying to him it's coming, but I mean, don't take our silence or inaction recently to read anything into that we're, we're off trail or, you know, things like that. Look,
0: Michael Cohen may be in a better position to know if he's talking to prosecutors, he's he's, understanding their line of questioning and he's understanding what things they're focusing on. And as I understand, he's met with them multiple times. They probably, as these things go, they ask him about a bunch of stuff. They ask him about 10 things then the next time they ask about eight things and the next time they ask them about six, you, you, you get a sense See of what, what they're yeah. focused on yeah. and how they're corroborating things. Right. So he'll give them some testimony and say, you know, Donald Trump told me to do these three things. And then maybe a month later, they'll have a bank transaction and they'll say, does this refresh your recollection as to when he asked you to pay this money to so-and-so? And he'll have to go back to his notes and his emails and say, Oh yeah, I think that's right. So, you, you know, Michael Cohen, for that reason, should, should have a pretty good sense of where they're going. And so maybe he's right.
1: Take me through that moment uh, because it's, it, it, it once again, one of the many uh, uh, absurd acts of Donald Trump when your assistant says the president's on the phone to speak to you, <laughs> which, was, which is not the way it's supposed to go down.
0: It wasn't quite like that. It was um, it was March 9th, I think, of 2017. If people may know or recall. Donald Trump asked to meet with me during the transition And personally asked me to stay on for another term as U.S. attorney, which I agreed to do because I thought I'd be left alone. And under the assumption I'd be left alone as the Southern District of New York is generally treated as pretty independent, sovereign district of New York. I had a lot of important work to finish, uh, including, you know, big deal investigations of political figures in New York, Democrats. I agreed to stay on. And then he he called me. My assistant had actually left early for the day. And he called me a couple of times during transition, which was weird. I made a report of it to the, to the transition folks and to my own, you know, colleagues at the U.S. Attorney's Office. It was just chit chat, But I did start to get the sense that this is a person who's trying to cultivate, you know, another guy who, you know, not for nothing, has jurisdiction as a legal matter over the area that includes his organization, his properties, his foundation, all sorts of other things. And I thought, you know, if that continues when he's the president, I can't really abide that. And so I, I came back to my desk and I had a voicemail from the secretary of the president of the United States saying, you know, could you please return the president's phone call? And some people don't really get what the big issue there is. You know, he, he's your boss, they say. He's not, he's not really my boss. I serve at his pleasure mm-hmm. and I'm appointed by the, the president of the United States and the president of the United States can fire me. But the Department of Justice is different. And I had no notice of what the call was about. There were already, uh, you know, signs of people calling for an investigation of the president by my office and his, his holdings relating to the emoluments clause, among other things. And it wasn't the attorney general calling me saying the president has a concern about something. There was no agenda. And, you know, I did some soul searching with my, with my deputy, who later became the U.S. attorney himself, June Kim. No good can come of my having that phone call. <laughs> yes. Right. Unless I know what it's about. Because look, if he was calling and saying, hey, great job on that terrorism case. Tell your folks that they're true American heroes and patriots. There's nothing wrong with that. right? The problem is, I did not know what he was... So what what happens? I return the call. He says, so what's the deal? Are you going to indict de Blasio? I hate that guy. What am I going to do with that? Yeah. Right? And even if it wasn't any of those things, just this idea that I'm going to have sort of a back-channel phone relationship with the sitting president of the United States who I don't have any relationship with and, you know, who was supposed to operate independently with respect to investigations of his people and his allies and his family. That's a terrible look. You know, I kept remembering what happened to Loretta Lynch, uh, you know, when she, when she met with-
1: Clinton, right. Uh,
0: on, at, you know, at the airport at yeah. the, on the tarmac with former President Clinton when the Hillary Clinton investigation wasn't yet over. That was in my mind. There's hell to pay. And, and on top of all of that, You know, I had already known a few weeks into his presidency that you cannot trust Donald Trump to fairly and accurately and honestly report the nature of the conversation later. So I didn't return, so I called the secretary back. So with all due respect, I, I don't feel comfortable talking to the president. And I've told the attorney general's office, I've told his chief of staff the same, unless I know what it's about. And the next day I was asked to resign. The day after that I was fired when I refused to resign. And we now know, by the way, I mean, I I was proud of that, even though I knew it probably led to the end of my job. We now know that's his M.O. He did the same kind of thing with Jim Comey, Mm -hmm. with respect to Michael Flynn. He did the same kind of thing with the Georgia officials. You know, people, there's a reason people thought about recording him and why the Georgia official recorded him. And I contemplated that for a moment also. He's a guy, the record shows, will go outside of the norm and outside of the chain of command to get people who are the levers within his government that he thinks he's, you know, all-powerful over to get them to do things that are in the interest of Donald Trump instead of in the interests of the law or in conformity with their oath. What would, so, be, what would I, be your best guess at this point why he was calling you? You know, I I don't know. It could be any one of a number yeah. of things. It could also just be, this is my game. I, I think that's why. Yeah. Hey, bu- he hey, hey buddy. It. Hey, buddy. I, I yeah, We're on the same couple, team. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's yeah, a, we're yeah. on the same team. Like, you know, I've thought about that my decision not to return the call a million times, obviously. But I have no doubt, tell me if you agree with this, that if I had taken the call and it was chummy, then I had to take the next call, Yeah. right? And then I have to take the next one after that. Then that becomes weird. When, like, why, are, why, is Preet, why are Preet and Trump having this conversation, these conversations that are not going through the attorney general and that are not about yeah. something that's appropriate? If in one of those calls, I decide to say to him, and friends of mine who I've given this scenario to uh, are very regretful that I didn't pursue this approach. If I said, hey, um, Mr. President, it's nice talking to you again. Anybody in particular you think you, uh, you, know, you want me to knock off? In New York? <laughs> so, yeah, what's would... the likelihood, assuming he didn't think I was taping him or entrapping him in some way? What's the likelihood that at some point he'd be like, yeah, I'll give you a couple of names? 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%
1: yeah,
0: right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, would be, it, would be, uh, it would be a hotline that would be uh, once every three days you'd be getting a call, really.
0: I mean, that's that. That's and that's his, what he's looking yeah. for. Look, going yeah. back to something you said, I think it's very important, important that you said at the beginning of this, he now gets that. In no universe in the future, if he became would he ever retain a Preet Barrar as U.S. Attorney mm-hmm. or appoint a BJ Pack as U.S. Attorney in Atlanta or even appoint someone like Bill Barr or, um, it's interesting. You see, uh, even Bill Barr, I mean,
1: yeah. Bill he, Barr was too, He is General,
0: that guy, yeah. Jeff Clark, that, that your listeners may be familiar with who was trying to assist with the coup, yeah. who was the acting chief of the civil division. Donald Trump is going to populate, you know, all the agencies and particularly the department of justice, if he can get away with it, if he has a Senate in his hands as a Republican Senate with the craziest non-law interested Loyalists, yes, that you've ever seen in any administration in the history of the country. He probably thinks one that among his greatest mistakes were putting into position people like Jeff Sessions, Bill Barr, mm-hmm. others who were like 80 percent on board with Trump and some of the nefarious stuff of Trump, but they had limits
1: to there was a line at the end of the day, they wouldn't cross. He's going to find people yeah. who have no, no lines, lines. He's absolutely, find people who have no line. You're sorry. Let's let's shift. I want to talk about your career a little bit, you know, you, you, um went after a lot of different kinds of bad guys, everything from terrorists to uh, politicians to gang members to mob mob bosses. Um, First of all, what are you most proud of? And secondly, is there a through line to dishonesty? If if I was going to say draw the line between corrupt politicians, gang members, mob bosses— I don't want to say terrorists. Was there? Is is there? Is there something you've learned about the bad guys over the year that is is a common thread?
0: No, I don't. I don't actually think so. I, I think they're,
1: you know, it's a weird question. It's uh, a
0: little bit of a strange. Question. No, it's a great. No, it's a great question. It's a very interesting question. I'm I'm not sure I'm articulate enough to answer it effectively. There is a difference between um, violent crime, often, and and crimes of fraud and corruption. Sure. And, and there, are, there are violent criminals who don't lie. They don't cheat. It's a different kind of crime, right? People who, who engage in some of that activity, you know, if you, if you watch various shows about criminal conduct, not always. You can be violent and also a fraud, corrupt, fraudulent corrupt person. But they're kind of different. And, and you have people who engage in corruption and fraud and cheating and lying kinds of scams who would never shoot anybody in the head.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, Bernie Madoff, uh, lost a lot of people's entire fortunes and entire life savings. He never shot anybody in the head. No. Um, so I think when I get asked the question, why do people commit crimes? Why do they do what they do? I think it depends on the person. There are people who are just evil. I really do believe that there's a, there mm-hmm. are a subset of, of people who are just evil and have no morals, no ethics, and no concern for other human beings and no concern for life. Such, as, such spectrum, as our president,
1: but keep going. All right, all right.
0: <laughs> at the other end of the spectrum, I think you have people who they get jammed up you have a lot of people uh, in the mob in particular although this has been less the case in the last number of years but you have a policy of silence right over of, amerta so these are guys that extort folks kill them do all sorts of terrible things terrorize communities and have this code but yeah they're not going to rat they're not going to rat and and that is a kind of morality that they embrace that may not be your morality or my morality but i think th- so so there's some people who would never flip. There's some people who flip the moment that the FBI agent approaches. Mm-hmm. So I think there are different moral considerations for everybody, um, and maybe other people disagree. I, I don't know that I necessarily see a through line.
1: One of your predecessors uh, is uh, his home was raided, uh, Rudy Giuliani. Oh boy! And you, oh boy. you've been very um, clear on saying this. This is bad. This is this is th- obviously uh, it's certainly not good. But to you, there there was some real tells as far as what's coming for, for Giuliani.
0: So you're talking about Rudy Giuliani, who, boy, um, has he turned out to yeah. be an embarrassment and a disappointment. And I always point out, you know, he was very good to me when I became the U.S. attorney back in 2009. I had dinner with him. Uh, I had dinner with all the folks that I could to get advice and to touch base and show them respect. And he was very respectful. <clears throat> and, you know, we had a nice long dinner that was not about politics. It was not about craziness. It was about how to run a prosecutor's office. And how you think about promoting people, it was, it was a very good substantive conversation. This is 12 years ago now. And that's not the guy I see anymore. No, clearly. I know there are folks who say, he's always this way. Yeah, did he always have a big ego? Of course. Was he always kind of belligerent? Of course. Was he a self-aggrandizer? Of course. But this guy is a different guy.
1: He's not well. You can see he's not well. I mean, at this there's point. There's been I mean, a
0: decline. Yeah. There's been a decline. And if you're asking me to read the tea leaves in in the in connection with the... Uh, the search is executed on his devices and on his home and office. I'm going to say the same thing I said about Cy Vance's office earlier. This is just me. If I were the U.S. attorney, uh, at the time that people came into my office and asked the question, uh, you know, can we get your approval to do these searches of the former U.S. attorney in the Southern District and and lawyer to the to the president of the United States? You better have your shit together before that happens. I, you better have your shit. I, I don't know how to use that language. But I can't imagine saying, sure, no no sweat, you know, without a very, very rigorous, and I've had these conversations in my office a million times, That's, that's what the job is, without a very rigorous examination of these fine prosecutors to ask them, how compelling is the evidence you have currently? How likely is it that the evidence you're going to get from these searches is going to corroborate what you have? And what is the likelihood that there will be you know, a legitimate, significant federal criminal charge against Rudy Giuliani, and to surprise some people, if that number is not very high, I think twice about authorizing sure. that search because you're you're raising you're putting yourself. You're out, I mean, that, that's it.
1: That's it. I mean, yes. well, that goes you're back to, to the side vans thing with, with Trump. you are
0: hurting the reputation yeah. of somebody who yeah. you know there's a lot of self harm to his reputation. But you you really want to be in a position of great strength and in possession of a lot of evidence. When you author it, I said the same exact thing when Paul Manafort, you know, uh, had those searches executed and true to form, there were charges brought thereafter. Now, it's taking a long time to get through that evidence because there's the attorney-client privilege issue and you have, um, you know, intermediary who's making sure that they don't have attorney-client privilege information that's being given over. So I still think knowing how that office operates and speaking for myself, the way I led that office the chance of charge against Rudy would have been very high. Yeah. doesn't mean it's foolproof. doesn't mean it's hundred percent, but that's my thought.
1: So there was been a lot of chatter that the Chuck Rhodes character in Billions was not necessarily <laughs> based on you, inspired by a lot by you. And what, you well, we have the
0: same job. You have the
1: same job. I mean, are you clearly, you seem to have a bit, bit of a different moral compass, but what you do take from that show, as far as that job, and it's clear to your point, the sovereign district is that there is an amazing, uh, blank piece of paper as far as where to go, you know, is basically there's no, there's nobody that comes in and says, here's the menu. Okay. For the next five years, no. we're going to go after this. it's like, it's basically you have the world and you kind of decide who, who we're <laughs> yeah. going to go after. And I guess yeah. my question is, where, where <laughs> does that, where is that in the ether? Where, I mean, obviously you show up and there are cases that are
0: obviously going, but I mean, where is so the you, you shape? Yeah. You, know, you, you shape priorities. It's funny you say the world, you know, I had a I had a line that I would use which will sound arrogant to some and familiar to others. Some I think some inspector general of some agency was talking about, you know, making referrals to our offices, you know, remind me again what your jurisdiction is geographically and I said, are, are you familiar with earth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we had assistant U.S. attorneys who traveled in any typical year to 45 countries. That's shocking to people. Most U.S. attorneys offices don't do that. Uh, virtually no DA's offices do that. We brought international narcotics cases, terrorism cases, trafficking cases, you name it. We did it and we had you know, contacts and connections in Africa, in Europe, in South America, in Asia, you name it, uh, cyber work as well. So unlike a DA's office where there's a, a steady diet of stabbings and rapes and mm-hmm. homicides that you just have to be reactive to, you have a little bit of the benefit of, of more resources and a luxury of being able to think about you know, more broadly about the things you, you want to do. And wh- and, and you're just sort of observing what the threats are and what things are growing. So we, we put a considerable additional emphasis on on the cyber threat back in 2009. Now everyone's doing it, everyone's working on it. But we significantly increased the personnel and focus on the cyber threat as it was coming into, into vogue, both, you know, on the part of nation states and trying to attack our infrastructure and also some of these, you know, ideological zealots and also, pure fraudsters who are just trying to take money out of your bank account, you know, from Latvia, yeah, or Lithuania, the, the, or wherever the case the, may be. The,
1: the Nigerian um, um, mailing list, or whatever. That,
0: yeah, the and then you? and then you and then you say, look, another top priority. You know, I never say I'm more proud of one thing than another thing. I think it's all important, but but I am very proud of the public corruption work we did. I, I don't think I don't think there's been another tenure where, you know, so many significant cases were successfully brought against politicians in New York. We we simultaneously brought indictments against both the Democratic Speaker of the Assembly and the Republican uh, majority leader in the Senate.
1: Silver and Scales, uh, right. In New right?
0: York. Two of the three most powerful people in the state who have been long entrenched. And it's a long saga because they got convicted then the Supreme Court case caused them to have those overturned, but then they were both convicted again. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no, you know, the corruption work is fascinating and I think about it still because they're very, very, very hard. And I think people are getting some sense now because Trump walks free and some other people walk free that they're easy to bring, they're not. And I think that's another great testament to the FBI and our investigators and the assistant US attorneys in our office that we brought, you know, case after case after case against multiple state senators, state assemblymen, city council folks and others. And there's, there's no kind of case that got us more mail uh, and more high fives in the street, not that you do anything for that, right? To be clear. than the corruption cases. Yeah. Because, because corruption, the crime of political corruption victimizes everyone, whether they vote or not. Yeah. right. It, it undermines the whole process. And when you start bringing cases like that, the, the other you know, salutary consequence of that is that people start to feel better about their governments. Like, oh, if they're getting some of the bad guys, the yeah. cheaters, the guys who line their pockets, You know, maybe there's hope for good government. Yeah. And that inspires people to get more involved. The worst thing, look, that cab driver, when he talked to my son, one of the reasons he has that view is he has a baseline view that all politicians are corrupt, lying assholes. And so the fact that Trump is, does not surprise him and does not turn him off. He's like, he's at least honest about it. Yeah. Right. And there are a lot of people still who think, yeah. Yeah. Nixon wasn't so bad. He just got caught. They're all, they're all scum. Mm-hmm. And to the extent you can bring cases to show that you're trying to clean up some of the scum, that I think helps to eviscerate that mindset, which is very damaging.
1: Uh, last question, kinda, you've been so generous with your time. Uh, Preet, you've spent so much of your adult life exploring and prosecuting bad people. Do you I am a fundamental believer that the overwhelming majority of people are very decent. Would you agree with that?
0: I do agree with that. And it's funny you, you use the phrase bad people and sometimes prosecutors will that's that's not a good that's a that's a bad way of saying we're dishonest. Uh well, well you know. no, but, but you know there's the act, you know we don't prosecute we prosecute people obviously but we prosecute people who have engaged in some act that violates, you know, an explicit criminal statute. Mm-hmm. And Brian Stevenson who's, you know, a great role model and lawyer uh in 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 every way that you can imagine that the term says you know no, nobody is the worst thing that they have done right and and I do think there's you know prosecutors will sometimes say you know they'll walk into the supervisor's office and they'll talk about a guy who's a target and they listen he he's he's a bad guy they don't say that about everybody mm-hmm. right so people make mistakes people make decisions yes. that they shouldn't make um you know there there is not a moral equivalency between a cold-blooded murderer for the mafia and someone who steals a loaf of bread because they're hungry. Sure. There are their distinctions.
1: Preet, I really appreciate it. What a, what a pleasure talking to you. And, and the book nice is talk to you. Sir. Doing justice, prosecutor's thoughts on crime punishment, and rule of law. The stay tuned with Preet is the hit podcast. Now you're a wealthier guy from selling your podcast company to another <laughs> company. And oh, uh, appreciate your time. Keep keep doing really good things,
0: my friend. Thanks, Donnie. Look forward to hearing your voice as well. You got Take it, care. buddy.
1: Hope you enjoyed today's show uh, with our brands of the week and Preparara. We're going to be back next week. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get podcasts: Spotify, Apple, any place else. Please rate and review and subscribe, and also catch our videos on YouTube. Uh, subscribe there, and also comment for us. We want to hear your comments, and please subscribe on YouTube. That's the way we—that's the way we make our bucks here, if you will. So have a great week. We'll see you next week on On Brand.
2: Power blackouts. They happen every year, but guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half-day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more. Do you have a group chat where you continuously talk about summer getaways but never actually go anywhere? With Priceline, you can save up to 60% on your favorite hotels and also get amazing deals on rental cars and flights. And you can do it all from your phone. So stop texting and start planning. Priceline knows every trip is a big deal. So tell your friends you found a great deal on the Priceline app and take your plans out of the chat and onto the road. Hi, this is Jim Jeffries. I have a podcast out called I Don't
1: Know About That. Each episode is a different subject. We bring an expert on, and I say everything I think I know about that subject, and then they correct me. Join in, listen to the podcast, you'll have a laugh, and you might learn something. Follow, rate, and review I Don't Know About That with Jim Jeffries. Now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts,
0: or wherever you like to listen. You can also catch video releases each week on YouTube.